0: The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily represent Utah Valley University or the UVU Center for Social Impact. Let's get real. Talking about social issues can be intimidating and confusing. Real Talk invites listeners into candid conversations about hard topics. We talk to those that are actually living through the problems everyone is talking about. So grab a drink, grab a blanket, and start getting comfortable being uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Talk podcast. Today, we have the opportunity to learn from one of my favorite people and um, someone that I've learned so much from. So you're in for a real treat. Today, we are interviewing Cassie Bingham. And Cass, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and how you got involved in social impact work?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I'm Cassie Bingham. Um, I'm a program director currently at the Center for Social Impact. Um, at UVU, and man, I got involved with social impact work um, in an academic sense a long time ago when I was in undergrad, which was like way back, started in 2009, graduated in 2013, and I studied sociocultural anthropology um, with a minor in international development so I was you know, looking to understand human behavior and culture, but really with this like emphasis in how can that understanding be used to help develop communities um, and like improve societies. And so started there with like theoretical um, academic learning. And then my career so far has taken me to a lot of places. Um, I've worked in like the nonprofit world Worked on the west side of Salt Lake, um, serving immigrant, mostly Latinx immigrant families and refugee families. Um, I've also been abroad working with social entrepreneurs in uh, Uganda, Africa. Um, Did some some, like aid work in um, Greece, working with refugees at Moria Refugee Camp. Um, And now I'm an educator, so I teach social impact strategy to students um, and, and teach like frameworks and tools to help them become social change makers.
0: And you are great at your job. Um, I think I've learned so much about how to have an ethical impact and how to like constantly be checking myself as I'm trying to make impact from you. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into our topic today because I think it's something that a lot of people are scared to ask questions about. Um, probably because a lot of us have participated in this unethical behavior. And I think it would be really cool if we can just dive into this topic just with as you're listening with an open mind and be willing to do some reflection on yourself. Um, but today we're going to be talking about white saviorism. And Cass, for you, what is your definition of white saviorism?
1: Yeah, so... um White saviorism as a phrase, it it was coined by a man named Teju Cole, um, who's um, an African man, writes for a lot of like American and European um, journals. And back in like 2012, I think, he wrote an article for The Atlantic that was called um, The White Savior Industrial Complex. And so that's where that that phrasing came from. And now it's been kind of like picked up by a lot of people. And and at least in the center, we just refer to the whole thing as white saviorism. Um, but the definition really is like the act of going into usually marginalized communities, um, disenfranchised communities, oftentimes communities that are either abroad, if we're talking about like a Western sense, or communities that are like lower income communities if we're talking about you know domestic western sense um going in kind of with this like hero mentality as people of greater privilege which a lot of times the dynamic ends up being majority white people going into a community with majority brown people or black people right Mm -hmm. going in with like a hero mentality or a savior mentality of like these poor poor people like without me like what would they do or without us what would they do um, going in to service work, quote unquote, volunteer work, development work, quote unquote, with this attitude of like, these people like need all the help they can get. That may be, you know, thinking in really like a patronizing or condescending way that they don't really know what they need, or they haven't, they're not capable of providing for themselves. And so like the, you know, more civilized people or the more advanced people or the more intelligent people need to swoop in and offer, you know, um, better ideas, need to offer, um, solutions and need to, you know, shower them with like all of their good knowledge and, and good help. And, um, obviously, um, this practice is accompanied with like a lot of, a lot of ego, right. Tons. And Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's kind of long-winded, but but white saviorism is really like a, a phrase that I think can catch more than just racial dynamics, but it's really like a privileged to underprivileged with like the privilege swooping in thinking they can save people.
0: So I am not a white person, but that doesn't change the fact that I can still have a negative impact or I could still be holding ego As I am trying to help a community that may be less privileged than I am. And so I really appreciate that definition because it really does apply to so many more people. And um, well, it applies to so many more people than just white people. Although this is also a podcast episode that white people, I hope if you're listening as well, that you're reflecting and asking yourself, okay, how do I participate in this?
1: to break in really quick for listeners. I'm also not not a white person. I'm a black woman. Um, and so, yeah, as we as we talk more, I'm sure you'll hear a little bit of my own experience. But, yeah, like pr- privileged in any way, and also um recognizing that race is a social construct, and so it can be defined differently, too. When I'm abroad in in an African country, oftentimes because of my Americanism. And also because I'm, I'm half white, um, so I have lighter skin, um, I'm, also, I'm, I'm usually clustered in with white Americans mm. because I speak like them. I, my, culturally, I'm closer to a white American than I often um, appear to like a Native African in their own country. And so really for all intents and purposes, as, a, as an American and as a Westerner going into a country abroad even though I have darker skin and in the US, I definitely am not considered white. Mm-hmm. I'm often perceived as white in those countries. And so a lot of that also plays into this is saying like, how does privilege and how does um, like proximity to power and privilege um, cause us to be perceived by other cultures as well and other demographics? And sometimes that means you also might be kind of like blocked into to like this white um, demographic right
0: oh absolutely and I think that kind of goes into like that colonial mindset too of like am I because in America I may not be always considered like the major- majority or like the colonizer in some situations I may be but going abroad to different countries my proximity definitely is going to change when working with that community so I think that. This is really important because a lot of times people are just saying, oh, well, I'm just trying to help. Like, I'm doing what I can. And like, is that not good enough? Like, I have a good intention. Why, why is that not being in, taken into account? So do you think that good intentions are enough if someone is participating in this egoistic behavior? Or do you think that it's more important to be like digging into those feelings that you're having.
1: Yeah. Um intention is never enough when it comes to serious social impact work and serious social change. And for people who say that it is enough, so oftentimes you'll hear people who engage in kind of like voluntarist work abroad, like if you just make one person smile or if you just make one person's day better like you've you've done enough you know like you've accomplished your mission and you know i take great offense at that because on one hand um a lot of the practices that are done with good intention in um marginalized and disenfranchised communities would never be accepted in communities of privilege right and so even if done with good intention right for example if somebody came into a white suburban neighborhood, assumed that they knew what that neighborhood needed, began to do it without the input of that community, um, and also at the same time probably were like taking pictures of that community's kids, taking pictures of that community's homes, right, we would be really upset, right, the the inhabitants of of that white suburb or whatever. And if the people said, "Well, this was done with the best of intentions. We just wanted to help you, and we and we admire you. That's why we're taking photos without consent, because we admire you, right?" Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't, we we wouldn't accept that. It would be bullshit, right? Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you know, I always challenge people on one hand when they're talking about intent to reverse the situation first, right, and say, "How would I take it?" if somebody did something that I didn't like or didn't appreciate and then used the excuse that their intentions were good. Right. Mm-hmm. On the other uh, you know, the second thing I would say is that if somebody truly cares about social change and doesn't just care about feeling good about themself, um, they will always care more about impact than they do about intent because there can be negative impact from good intentions that happens all the time Right. But if we truly care about social change, sustainable, effective and ethical social change, then we will care more about the the um, final impact than we will about whatever our intentions were. If you care more about the intentions and and care little about the impact, um, I would say that your quote unquote social impact work is ego driven. Right. It's Mm -hmm. ego driven and, and it's not actually driven by a sincere desire to go wherever the facts lead you to go wherever community leads you um, in terms of creating just and sustainable change.
0: Mm-hmm. So for you, Cass, you've worked in a ton of different areas of social impact. What has kind of been your journey in kind of recognizing your proximity to these problems that you're working with and kind of the reflection that you've taken to step away from that? Or have you, has it been something that's always been at the forefront of your mind as you've done social impact?
1: No, it hasn't. And thank you for that question. Because I think, like you said at the very beginning, um, you know, there can be like shame around this topic. And that's why people don't like to bring it up. Um, one, because people don't want to be called out on something that that maybe they enjoy doing, right? Like mm-hmm. people want to feel like they can do whatever in a community whatever abroad and be praised for it right and so one it's hard to take a step back and say maybe I shouldn't be praised for this maybe I maybe I should step away from this right and two it can be shameful even when you do recognize it to say like oh well damn I was engaging in something that wasn't actually that helpful and maybe was even unethical and that's really hard for people to accept i think it's even harder in today's um in today's atmosphere where um we're expected um or we're expecting each other maybe publicly and online and, and on social media and stuff to be perfect um, when we are engaging in social justice and that's just not actually possible right mm-hmm. that's not that's not a reality and so my journey when it comes to white saviorism um and when it comes to like leading into where I feel like I am today which is not arrived at perfection, but as eons past what I was even a decade ago, um, you know, I started like most people, like I just had good intentions. Like I wanted to be a part of positive change in the world. Um, That seemed really important to me. It felt um, meaningful to me. It felt like my life wouldn't be really meaningful if I wasn't engaged in positive change. The more and more that I learned as I got older from, you know, late teenage years into early adulthood about all of the bad things going on in the world, like I just was like, okay, like I have to jump in. This has to be um, what I do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But like so many of us, I wasn't provided with a systemic education about social problems. Um, Very often the only exposure I was given to how social problems are mitigated was like well, there's this nonprofit or there's this uh, you know fundraiser occurring, and so it was always like you can either go and volunteer um, or you can donate you know a few dollars or fundraise for something. Um, now you know with my understanding of the fact that there are so many approaches and ways to address social issues, I I know that volunteer work, service work, and philanthropy are really just like some of those like first steps. Right, and really, those um, you know ways of addressing social problems are really just like stopgaps, like they're relief, they're they're for instant relief, but they don't solve social problems, right? They don't actually long-term solve them. So, like many people, because I was learning just about that and not learning about more systemic ways to address social problems, I was like, great, like I want to jump in, show me how. Um, at the time, I was in my undergrad at BYU, and a lot of people um who did international development and who got involved with like social change social issues and learning about it through the lens of inter- of like academic international development theory mm-hmm. um went the route of either wanting to start their own nonprofits or and or like engaging in voluntourism. And voluntourism is like a catchy phrase to use for volunteer work abroad, right? Or volunteer right. work in a quote unquote exotic place where you also like conveniently get to travel and like get all these cool experiences. Right. Right. And so um, I didn't actually ever go myself as a volunteer, but I was hired by a popular organization in Utah County to lead on one of their trips. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time I was starting through my classes to kind of understand that there's a little bit more to community development than just jumping in and like, building a school or jumping in and doing whatever. but I still hadn't like fully like grasped um, systemic social change. So I was like, okay, I think like this is good. Like I'll go, I have good intentions, I'll lead um, volunteers who have good intentions. And um, we went to Uganda. Um, and while we were there for three months, we did work with some community leaders in Uganda, which I think was a, was a pro um, because, you know, would have been horrific had we not even taken any input or collaborated at all mm-hmm. with native Ugandans. And we did to some extent, but I would say that much of our work was driven by the need to have like instant gratification um, where we were, you know, either painting murals or working on building a facility or whatever, mm-hmm. um, with no thought to, you know, is this the best use of our time as privileged foreigners in a in a underprivileged country? No thought to, are we taking jobs away from locals by doing this? You know, no thought to what is the visual dynamic of, um, Westerners being in this country that was colonized, which is why it's in a state of disrepair, um, in the first place. And us now being here acting as if we are these like wonderful saviors, right? No thoughts to any of these like deeper questions, um, collectively, right? right? In my head, all of those thoughts were running through. And I was like a little bit panicky, Like, what should I be doing this? You know, Mm -hmm. and that really started my journey on like diving into research online, finding that article by Teju Cole, because that was right around that time um, when that had come out and starting to read about white saviorism and being like, oh, wow, like this is like pretty, this is almost like neo-colonialistic. Like it's almost like the new age form of colonizing wrapped in a pretty bow. You know, And I was like, I don't think I want to engage in quote unquote community development or international development in this way. And so after that, I was a lot more cognizant um, of how I went about that. And I started to change my language. I started to change how I spoke to others. Um, and then I also, even on that trip, it had already clicked in my head. Like, I didn't want to do certain things that would perpetuate mm-hmm the image of white saviorism. So even on that trip, even though I was kind of having an awakening, I didn't take photos with any minors on the trip. Um, any Ugandans that I did take pictures with, I made sure that I would they were actually my friends, mm-hmm. people who I knew their names. They were adults, right? Um, who I was hanging out with. I didn't want to um, perpetuate this idea of like infantilizing um, communities by only taking pictures with brown and black children, Um, I didn't want to take pictures of people in states of vulnerability, Mm. Um, just like how I wouldn't want to have somebody come in and take a picture of me if I was in the hospital or down on my luck or looking raggedy, you know, so I tried to avoid all of that. So I was already doing little things to be like, yeah, I don't think I want to engage in that. Um, But it did take me a couple more years to fully be like, okay, I'm never doing something like that again. And I've learned new ways to engage in social change that are so much more ethical um, and so much more sustainable, although they might not be as Instagrammable. Mm, That's a huge
0: one. (laughs) Because I think right now there's that big wave of, I'll call it performative, um, performative work where we post something that we feel really good about, that we feel we've maybe worked hard on, or maybe we haven't worked hard on, but we feel like it makes us look really good. And instantly we start getting like after like, people start commenting, and instantly you're feeling that instant gratification like you were talking about. And it's really interesting to kind of reflect on, well, Am I posting this because I'm trying to post awareness, like gain awareness and really help this community? Or is it because I want to feel good? I think that was one of the first things I started to recognize in myself when I kind of was going through a similar um, experience of even just when I was volunteering here domestically, like, why am I posting this? Why am I writing this specific caption? Is it to help gain awareness around this topic? Or is it really just to boost my ego? And most of the time it was to boost my ego. Um, So I really appreciate that because I think that those small things really, for some people, and I think for myself, at least I didn't used to think about that at all. And I think if you're listening, like now you've heard something that you can do maybe think about it wrestle with it you know better now let's do better moving on so um that's kind of talked a little bit about like what's performative and what's actual impact work right do you have any other thoughts around like specifically towards, like, that performative type of work, um, even, like, examples that maybe people can look out for in themselves or organizations that they're thinking of volunteering for or donating to um, that might be some red flags?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, in terms of, like, personal behavior, exactly what you said, checking in with yourself um, as you and, and this goes not just for like social impact work or or service oriented work. This goes for just like being in a foreign community to your own. Mm-hmm. Um, checking how you are behaving towards others and always asking, am I humanizing or am I dehumanizing, right? Um, one of the experiences that woke me the fuck up, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. One of, okay. <laughs> One of the the things that really, like, was a slap in the face to me, um, I remember this is um, a a different time. I was in Ghana, Africa, just doing research. I wasn't doing volunteer work or any type of social change work, but I was in Ghana, Africa. Um, It was the first time I'd been in an African country. And so, you know, I was just taking in all of the sights, the smells, everything that was different. and just taking it in right as we do. And that's okay. It's okay to admire, appreciate and experience difference. But I remember pulling out my camera and I I actually had like an actual camera. It's like, (laughs) I'm old. And I took a picture of um, a woman who was like selling something on the side of the road in my head. It was just like, it was like, okay, well, I'm just taking a picture of somebody doing something I haven't seen in my home country. And I remember she looked up and, and like yelled at me. I can't remember what she said, but it was well-deserved. And I remember thinking, what did I just do? Like I treated a human as if they were an animal at the zoo, like as my own personal exhibit, you know? And um, that was like, after that, I was like, I, I can't believe that I would mindlessly do that to another human being. Um, and oftentimes that that betrays to ourselves like what how our privilege is causing us to act even subconsciously, right? Um, when we do things and we step back and say, wow, that was incredibly dehumanizing, right? And I think similar, if we check in mindfully When we are in other communities, regardless of what we're doing, I think we can prevent ourselves from engaging in that, right? So to check in mindfully and say, am I using the humans in this photo, children, adults, regardless, am I using the humans in this photo as an accessory to my central narrative? Like, am I the hero in the story I'm presenting and I'm using them basically as objects to prop me up? Mm -hmm. If I am, should I be taking this photo? If I am, should I be posting this photo, right? Um, Asking ourselves, again, in reverse, would this be at all appropriate, right? People all the time are taking pictures with little brown and black kids abroad. When we would think that if somebody walked up to a white child in any neighborhood and just sat down and snapped a selfie with them, we'd think that they were like a creepy person. Right. And we, and possibly with like bad intentions. Yet the fact that we've objectified and dehumanized brown and black communities to the point where their children are free range. Right. That's, we are entitled to photos with them, whatever. That's really sickening. Right. If you think about it. Right. It's really sickening. And so being mindful in that way, regardless when we are in communities that are different than ours, and especially when we are in communities where the power dynamic favors us, right, where we're the privileged ones, mm-hmm. um, is extremely important. Um, and obviously, that just amplifies as we get into things like social impact and social change work, where our actions can have real ramifications, regardless of how good our intentions are. We can have real negative impact if we're not mindful and if we're not strategic, right? Right. Um, so the second thing I'll say, and this is what I always plug because of what we teach at the Center for Social mm-hmm. Impact, is that if you truly care, and if you truly are trying to take the ego out of caring, you will be more, much more invested in strategy behind social change work. And often that looks like the things that, like I said, are not easily conveyable to social media, mm-hmm. right? You'll be invested in policy change. So that might look like getting involved in local elections Mm -hmm. and going door to door, right? You will be invested in um, systems planning, right? And systems thinking around issues. And oftentimes when you do that, it'll lead you to saying like, um, for example, there's been a lot of studies that have shown um, micro capital. So giving small amounts of money directly to the hands of poor communities abroad does more statistically for them than any time that we fly in our own bodies to quote-unquote volunteer. That's not good news to a lot of people who look forward to their humanitarian trip to an African country, a South American country, a Central American country. They don't want to hear that they shouldn't be spending thousands of dollars to fly in to stay there to have a really cool, quote-unquote, exotic experience, and then to also get to pat themselves on the back and show all their friends how they did such a good thing. They don't want to hear that those people would literally benefit more if they just, like, put $100 straight into the hands of, of those communities and didn't ever show up. That's so sc- They don't even need to see your face, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's literally been studies.
0: Right, and it's so scary to think how much money we are spending – I'm just thinking of people I know that have done humanitarian trips, right? And have to spend $3,000 to participate in this trip where that money could have been given to a family, could have just been given to the people that they're trying to help. And I think it kind of, again, it's that humanizing factor of, oh, well, these people, they can't take care of themselves. So I need to come in and I will fix it for them. When in reality, these people are so in so capable of.
1: Much more capable than you. Oh, absolutely. Much, (laughs) much much more capable. They know their communities. Right. Also, even thinking of the psychological harm that's done when we are teaching entire generations of youth in brown and black countries that majority white, all Western groups are who they should be dependent on rather than their own mom, Mm -hmm. their own dad, their own community leader who looks like them, who has the same skin color as them, speaks the same language as them, has the same cultural traditions as them. What type of psychological damage is that? Right. To be teaching them to look to foreigners, right? Um, And just in terms of like some quick tips for people who are like, man, but I really want to go abroad. I'm not against travel. I think that if you're privileged enough to have enough money. And it is a huge privilege to be able to travel abroad. Yeah. But if you're privileged enough, traveling abroad can be a huge positive in shifting your paradigm culturally and, and how you care about people, how you think about humanity. And so I encourage it. But if you're going to go abroad, one thing to to you can Google is just simply um sustainable travel um or ethical travel. If you if you type in sustainable travel, it might bring up more like eco-friendly trips and stuff, which is great too. Um but like ethical travel. Because let me tell you that if you plan a trip to an African country and you plan to stay at hostels or hotels that are owned by Ugandans. Sorry, I'm talking about Uganda because that's where I used to go. <laughs> but are owned by the Africans from the country you're visiting, right? And I'm not just saying impl- that they employ Africans because there's a whole bunch of resorts in Central, South America, and African countries where they employ people, but at the top you'll find they're always owned by Americans or Europeans. Mm. But if instead, if you plan a trip and you only stay at places that are truly owned by Africans, if you plan a trip to Africa and you eat only at places that are owned by Africans, if you plan a trip and you go on um trip on, on you know travel activities that are facilitated by and owned by Africans right mm-hmm. when we were in Uganda we would see people all day long go on safaris with your European Australian American owned companies when we would go with the Ugandan Wildlife Association and have a better safari yeah but people but people would just go with western com- companies if you go on a trip and make those intentional decisions The amount of money that you'll be putting into the hands of local economies, I promise you, will do more than if you had flown in with a volunteerist group, like, like, uh, inimaginably unstrategic, like painting a school Mm -hmm. or building a new building without any plans for how it will be sustained after you leave, and then traveling around with that organization, most likely going to restaurants that aren't owned by Africans, staying in places that aren't owned by Africans, et cetera, et cetera. I promise you that if you go on a travel trip, not even planning any service into the trip, but being intentional about where you spend your dollar, you will do more, right? So Mm -hmm. that to me is strategic social impact. Right. It's saying, even if I don't get to show off to my friends that I've done a service project, Can I just inside myself know that I've strategized so well that I've actually affected real social impact, not just Instagrammable photos, right? Right. And so that's one tip. Um, Another tip I would say is that if you absolutely want to go and do something humanitarian abroad, do it with a group where you are doing relief services that need bodies on the ground, Because that's basically the only thing where you will actually make a difference. So that's the reason why I did choose to lead one more humanitarian team in Greece um, at Moria refugee camp. Mm -hmm. Refugee camps are unglamorous. I didn't want to Instagram basically because it was heavy, it was psychologically burdensome, it was sad. Um, But all they needed was bodies on the ground. They needed people to pass out food. They needed people to pass out medical supplies. It was not fun. It was tedious. But that was where they actually just needed human bodies to help. Mm -hmm. So if you find something like that, great. But it probably won't be as exotic and beautiful and thrilling as doing a, you know, quote unquote service project that doesn't do much in a really exotic jungle, you know, or whatever you're, you're dreaming up. So relief services, sure. Um, But um, basically anything else through a volunteer organization, I would avoid and instead just plan a very intentional ethical travel trip.
0: That's amazing advice. And I think that's something that we can all do, right? Like, you're probably going to spend the same amount of money either way you do it. And you honestly probably sounds like a better trip, just a more fun and enjoyable trip, because you're actually interacting with the people that know the country the best that you're trying to learn about or enjoy so I think just to to wrap up if you could give like any advice to someone who may be like who may be feeling shame regarding actions that they've done in the past or they're currently involved in um what advice would you give to them just as they're trying to get out of that that cycle of the heroism that they feel
1: yeah Um, shame is never productive, right? (laughs) So Mm. if you're feeling shame for anything in your life, I would, I would get rid of it. I think it's productive to feel like corrected, Mm. self-corrected, um, or externally corrected and to say, Oh, I'm so glad I know now I'm going to make the effort to do better. Right. Um, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, you know, when we know better, we do better. Mm. So that's the motto that I live by, um, because we will always mess up and and there's no point in wallowing in shame um there and so i'm not here to judge or point fingers at people who have engaged in white saviorism i have too but when i knew better i started to 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 do better right and i continually am doing better um i'm i'm evolving even as we talk you know and so um i think it's important to allow yourself that grace but the problem is is when people know better and it's going to make things less convenient for them so they don't do better mm. <laughs> right they they learn and they know and deep down they know like maybe it isn't the best thing to take photos with minors without their consent without the consent of an adult mm-hmm. or maybe it isn't the best thing to go in and um and to show brown and black communities that they need white westerners instead of helping prop up their own native community leaders, right? Maybe it isn't the best thing, but like, I really want that Instagram photo or, but, you know, and play the mental gymnastics of justifying it. Right. That's when it's a problem. But if you've engaged in this and now you're like, oh, I want to do better, that's enough, right? Um, there's another quote that that we teach at the Center for Social Impact and that I try to live by, which is that um, perfect inaction is worse than, Than imperfect action, Mm. right? So if you're so afraid of of messing up that you are inactive, that you're apathetic to social change, that's also a problem, right? And so it's better that we act, and then that we mess up, and from that mess up we do better, right? We have to do that. That's part of the human experience. So am I ashamed that I (laughs) engaged in what I would call white saviorism? No, I'm not ashamed, Um, but through that mess up i did learn that i was probably creating causing damage right and that i was contributing to a modern form of colonization mm-hmm. right and because of that um aware of the awareness that grew in me i now have pivoted strongly away from that right. right and so now i'm doing better and i'll continue to learn new things and do better as a result of them so you know that's what i would i would tell people to do
0: perfect I really appreciate you coming on today and this has been extremely motivating for me um, because I think just for myself, I currently, I've been just kind of racking my brain and trying to wrestle with some of these feelings and knowing that I am trying to do better and I'm going to make mistakes because I am and we all are, like you said, that there's always going to be room to grow and I'm never going to be perfect and that's okay. But I need to be learning as we're going. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Cass, for coming on. Now all of you know how amazing she is. And please come to the center and learn fo- more from her. She is she teaches um, our social impact. Is that what it's called? Social impact class? Yeah, campus? social
1: impact seminar. So you can just look up management 494.
0: If you'd like to take a class from her, that class was incredible for me. I learned so much in that class. Um, and please come by the center where there's always events going on and we're talk- having these conversations all the time there. But thanks again, Cass, for coming on. Um, and if for everyone else, keep it real.